0: All the roll and go, where am I to go? Meet Johnny, where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go?
1: Before we start today's podcast, I would like to let you know that my recording is is not the best the reason being is I went crabbing along the Oregon coast and dropped my phone on a wet dock because it was raining and my microphone got wet or at least that's what I think happened so I went ahead and recorded a couple of podcasts one right after another one at the Cranberry Farm and the other at the Cranberry Museum and my microphone was making a scratchy noise, an extremely bad one at that. I have a backup recorder that I use and it worked on the first part at the Cranberry Farm, but for some reason it did not record at the Cranberry Museum. I gave my recording to Steve, my editor, and he worked extremely hard to take a lot of the fuzziness out of the recording. There is still some there and I really appreciate Steve's efforts in trying to make it sound good. Hopefully it is not too disturbing and you guys can get the full impact of what I learned at the Cranberry Museum. Enjoy the podcast. And I'm here with Ardell McPhail. And uh, we are going to talk to her about cranberries, and we are at the farm. After we are done at the farm, we are going to head to the museum, and we'll be talking to Paula. Paula. We'll be Paula. talking to Paula. We'll be talking to Paula about uh, what's there at the Cranberry Museum. This is something that I saw years ago when I was in Long Beach, and I was always intrigued, have not made it back to actually do the tour, to talk to anybody about this. And I guess we're going to find out about those little red things that we have at Thanksgiving, and it's in the middle of almost every juice you buy. Right. So, Ardell, ta- start telling us a little bit about uh, about cranberries, their benefits, their
0: oh, cranberries are, are great for your health. They've got vitamin C and and they have antioxidants, and and they're they're a little sour, but they're really good.
1: They're really good. Yeah. <laughs> How is it that they managed to get in the middle of everything? Well,
0: I don't know. I guess it mixes with a lot of stuff. But um, it's, it's a very tart flavor if you ha- haven't got any sugar added. And I think that's why they need to add sugar if anybody can stand the
1: juice. Okay.
0: But uh, the cranberries, uh, when we were harvesting right
1: now. And it's October. It's October. And, and you're in the middle of harvest.
0: Right. And so what we do is the, the cranberries grow on vines in a, in a bog. But they aren't in water all the time, except at harvest.
1: They're only in water at harvest.
0: Right. We flood each bog separately, and then we uh, use a beater. We call a beater, to knock, it's a reel that knocks, a machine that goes through and knocks the berries off. Okay. And uh, then they float. And the reason they float is because the berry has little cells inside um, that are like air pockets. Okay. And so they, that's why they can float on the water which makes our harvest easy because then they float on the water we surround them with booms and then guide them to one side and elevate them onto a truck. Okay.
1: So when you say they grow on vines, are you talking about like uh, grape
0: vines? No, they, no it's like it looks like heather in a way.
1: Okay. It's I don't low. know what heather is. Heather.
0: Heather is like that plant over there but you
1: Okay. Describe it. It's it, it's, uh, it's, oh, it's kind of a ground cover. Ground
0: cover. Yeah, it's it comes up about a
1: foot. That's it's, all the higher that. That's come all up. the
0: further the the vines will be, and they're perennial, so they're every year. Okay. And so uh, one crop a year, and we, um, and so you can walk when we're walking in the water, we're probably up to our knees.
1: So the water's not even very deep in your bog. No, not it's not
0: on, and that's only at harvest
1: again. Okay. Yeah.
0: So um, it's a it's a vine, and and it's we train it with the beater and the and a pruner. We train the vines to go a certain direction so okay. that every year we go that way when we harvest.
1: Okay, so it's like so the Napa,
0: yeah, like nap on fabric. You okay. know, you push it one way. It would If we go the wrong way, we, it lifts up all the vines and tears them up. So
1: you have okay. to go the same direction. Now, do you train them when they're on the ground before you put the bog in?
0: No. They're, no, the bog is in, and we, it's a, got a layer of sand, and then we plant the uh, vines straight into the sand they only have about a four-inch root, okay. And so uh, once it gets thick enough, then we can start training and pruning, and okay. and that that so early on it takes about two years to be able to start really training it right, and then three years for a crop.
1: Okay, so you don't get any any crop for your first two. No, years? No, and
0: it's about twenty five thousand a acre to uh, plant. Really. Yeah. So you have that. <laughs> it's a big upfront thing for uh, investment to make sure that you get it. But then it pays back pretty fast.
1: Now, you're with Ocean Spray, I, I'm right. assuming, because you've got an Ocean Spray hat on, you've got an Ocean Spray shirt on. Yep. So I'm assuming that you're that you're part of the Ocean Spray farmer group. Yeah,
0: and Ocean Spray is a, a grower's cooperative Okay. since 1930. Okay. And uh, so each farmer owns what they do on the, on the farm. Okay. How many acres they have and how much they produce. Boy, your dog is loving
1: this. Yeah, the dog loves this bog. She's having a blast. <laughs> uh, my, my dogs. She, she said that it was okay for the dog to come out. I th- don't think she had any idea how much fun the dog was going to have in her, in in her yard. front yard. Now, we were talking about your front yard real quick. Yeah. You, you, this bog that you've got comes right up to your door. Right. Uh, looks like you've got it cased in somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dog
0: is running through the through the water in the bog and just having a blast. But no, if we had to, if we were to build this bog, um, you know, today, they wouldn't let us build that close. It, this was this bog started in 1910.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, it's so been that long. It's
0: been that long, and we, you look
1: really young for your age.
0: <laughs> well, we didn't do it. We're, <laughs> we're the fourth owner. <laughs> so, but no, it. Uh, they plant them. They pl- started planting. They just. As, as they cleared land, then they, they would plant the bog and then clear some more and plant the bog back in 1910, all by hand.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: There were trees and everything.
1: And there. how many acres of cranberries do you have here? We, we
0: have 100 and, 105 acres. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: So you've got a lot of...
0: Well, for this area, we're the biggest, but in Wisconsin, they might have 2,000 acres. or. Really? Yeah. So we, we, we aren't that... We're big fish in a little pond,
1: I guess. Okay. So they so the so this isn't like the premier place to grow cranberries. No, we They grow, we're, them, all over the they grow
0: them in five states. Okay. And there'll be a test after this. Okay, good. Okay, yeah. So they they grow them in Wisconsin and uh, New Jersey, and Massachusetts, Oregon, and
1: Washington. Okay.
0: And British Columbia.
1: We, uh, I haven't seen any other cranberry bogs or or Signs or anything else all the way up the Oregon coast.
0: There are some in Bandon, in Oregon. It's down okay. south of Coos Bay. Okay. Yeah. That in fact they're bigger than us. We're the smallest place in the U.S. for growing cranberries, smallest area. Oh, really? And our and Oregon and Washington has two different kinds of uh, areas. The Long Beach Peninsula mostly we're harvesting wet harvest.
1: Okay. And up in Graysland, which is about an hour and a half north.
0: And out to the coast, um, on the other side of Willapaw Bay, they do dry pick, which is uh, for fresh fruit. Oh, really? Yeah. And if, when you go to the museum, you'll see what they use for a picker. They okay. don't have water. There's no flooding.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: So they they do the, they run this. It's like, a, it's like a beater and a pruner and everything all together and a lawnmower sort of thing. Okay. But you'll, it's kind of an interesting piece of equipment
1: that you'll see. Okay, so I'm going to make some assumptions, and you're going to correct me with every one that I assumed wrong. Okay, so I assume that in the spring, you end up with your cranberries coming up on dry ground, and...
0: Uh, No, the berries don't form until just about in June they start
1: forming. Oh, the berries start forming. Well, well,
0: actually, there's there's bloom in the spring, which we need to frost protect.
1: Okay, oh, Uh, because they're real susceptible to frost.
0: They're very susceptible at that time, then in May we bring uh, then they start blooming in May late okay. May and the be- and the bees um, come we, we you hire bees we hire come bees okay. and they come and pollinate and then the berries start forming in uh, June okay. July they start coloring up August more color,
1: and then we harvest okay. And so when I drive by this, let's say in August, I'm going to see just uh, basically a field just like any other farmer's field. Like like plants. Right. And there'll be a lot of little red berries on it.
0: Yeah, but they'll be getting darker and darker. And you can't really see the berries unless you're right on top of them. Okay. Yeah. You wouldn't see them from the road okay because they're down in the vines kind
1: of and how do you water them do you water them
0: sprinklers we have solids, center pivots salt so, no solid set sprinklers
1: you can okay. see the sprinklers out here oh okay yeah i can yeah, see them sticking up above sticking the water up. right okay and we have a
0: pump we pump from the lake over here okay and and uh, turn on the sprinklers we, ir- we have to irrigate we try to get at least a half inch a week okay of irrigation uh, they don't they don't want to be sitting in water we Sometimes can overwater,
1: but uh, oh, we get really? plenty of rain, so right
0: that's always nice. Although this year was a little drier, so we did have
1: to irrigate. Okay, and then and then you flood about two weeks before you're going to harvest. Just the,
0: like the day before.
1: The day before. Well,
0: we we started flooding since this is a big four acre place. Okay. We started flooding it. Um, I think let's see, this is Friday. We started flooding on Wednesday. Okay. So because it's so big, but more, most of them we would flood the day before and then beat okay. with our beat, run our machine
1: through, uh-huh. and they float.
0: The next day, the crew comes in and picks them up.
1: And do you have to be careful when you're beating them because uh, the I guess the water would be really uh, or the soil would be really wet, and wet easy to pull them out. And yeah, but of they're
0: they're pretty they're pretty hardy because that reel is really spinning. Uh-huh. But it, it kind of goes with the vines, so okay. it just kind of brushes them. Okay. And runs over them. But it does run over them, but they have great big slick tires,
1: Woo-hoo. on the beater. Okay. I think that's my husband. And then uh, and then all the berries float to the top. Right. And then you've got a, a net or a screen. Now, or... We
0: have booms like uh, like you'd see on an oil slick thing okay. where they would surround it. They're made of wood, and they float, and they connect... Together, and we just kind of gather it in towards one area on the on the dike, okay. and then uh, there's the the elevator we call it or a conveyor. Okay. And that they push that up, and it puts it into the trucks. And the trucks hold about three ton of cranberries each. It's a little one ton truck with six okay. totes,
1: thousand pounds each. Okay. And then how far do you have to haul them?
0: We go up to the ocean spray plant from here. We're the farthest on the peninsula. It's about two and a half
1: miles. Oh, that's not Not, far. Not bad. Okay. Yeah. And so how many growers are there in this area?
0: I think 28. Okay. And we're kind of in the woods. You don't see a lot of... Our farm's probably the most visible from the roads. Uh, A lot of them go back in in the (laughs) trees. Okay.
1: This is cool. Yeah, I can see all the all the berries inside of your your little float there that yeah. you're bringing over to the conveyor belt. But this morning
0: it was just covered the whole the whole thing. thing, and there hadn't been any wind. We love it when there's wind. Oh, because it, it because uh, it would blow them all over. But uh, there wasn't any wind, so they did a lot of walking.
1: Okay. Woo! Just to
0: go in again. Bell, no. Bell.
1: Okay. Yeah, this is this is really interesting because I I did never know the life of a cranberry. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I yeah, see. Now we have, and our we have a crew. Of, we have four people full time that work for us.
1: That's yeah. that's all year round.
0: Yeah, and then at harvest we hire three more.
1: Okay, to, and what do just, you do? What do you do in the winter?
0: In the winter, well, first of all, we prune at the end.
1: Okay.
0: Or after harvest, we start pruning. Uh, we'll now is that done by hand? No, it's a machine again with a okay. reel, and uh, so that that. Uh, it, it depends on nice weather. You kind of get wait for good weather to try to prune. Okay. But um, and you've got time. You've got till through. Uh, Let <laughs> your dog again into the bog. <laughs> she can't. She can't hurt you. She's a water dog. She's she's,
1: she's, harvesting. she's <laughs> harvesting. She's harvesting. She's <laughs> helping.
0: <laughs> anyway, so in the winter, and we and then we would be planting uh, new bogs. We put. Um, we try to have something almost ready to plant. Uh, in the summer, when it's dry, and then we, we would plant in the winter.
1: Okay, and what's the life of a cranberry plant? You said it uh, takes three years to, to, to your first harvest. right but if
0: you don't mess it up you could it could be forever. Really we had the ones that were planted in this bog here uh, uh, originally in 1910 uh, we took it out in uh, like the 1980 really because of the variety was not very good it was old and so we took it out and replanted. But they would last.
1: That's seventy years. Yeah,
0: they could last wow. a long time. Yeah.
1: Well, that's that's. Really so that, the only
0: time we really want, since it is expensive to re renovate the right. bugs, um, uh it the main thing is uh, you want to change if it's a variety that's not doing well. You want something that better yield and more, you know, frost frost resistant and disease resistant. So.
1: Okay. That's just, that, that's really interesting. And you said that the, most of the soil around here is
0: uh, pretty heavy in peat? Yeah, it's a, It's called, it's actually, a, it's not the nice kind of peat from Scotland that you would, uh, oh, okay. that they used to burn. They tried here, I guess, in 1910 to do that, but it, it was too mucky. It's, okay. it's gooey. It's called sea strand variant muck.
1: That's the sea strand variant, variant muck. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think pizza much nicer. Word. Yeah, Pete's
0: nicer. So, <laughs> and
1: <then laughs> it gives you the vision of of something fluffier than rock. Yeah, that's right.
0: But it as, since we are so wet, we get you know one hundred and ten acres, ten inches a
1: year. Sometimes,
0: right. mostly average around eighty.
1: Inches. Okay. So. Yeah, that's a lot of rain. Yeah. And then then we were talking, and your house sits right, uh, like I said. Uh, <laughs> It's like twenty six, feet. Yeah, twenty feet. From the from the bog that's that's right now. And you said your yard's all flooded, which is yeah. obvious. That's what my dog's running through and having a blast.
0: We have to uh, wear our boots to get out of the house at this time when we've got this one flooded. But actually the house being on piling, uh, if a big heavy truck goes by, we can feel that. Really? The peat just gives that. It's
1: just like jello. And that's when it's dry or when it's wet like now? Anytime. Anytime. And then she was saying that that they have to make all kinds of adjustments to their house once the <laughs> once the uh, bog leaves and and they get back to normal. She said her doors don't fit right, and the <laughs> windows don't fit right. Yeah, sounds get, like a like a lot of extra work everywhere. Yeah, year. well, not
0: too bad. But yeah, the door the doors stick somehow when it gets too dry because uh-huh. they're used to being moist, and then we get <laughs> then we get extra wet, but then that doesn't
1: last very long. So, okay, yeah. Well, this is way cool. Yeah.
0: But the stuff in the museum, now, the museum, I could tell you a little bit about how that got started. Let's,
1: let's hear it.
0: Because uh, I don't know that our manager knows all the detail, but basically, um, uh, they, it's a research station for Washington State University. Okay. And for cranberries? For cranberry research. Okay. And uh, they were going to, WSU was going to send our researcher away and okay. close the station. Well, the growers got together and said, "No, you're not. We're, we're gonna keep it going, and you need to just supply us. The researcher will take care of the whole facility, and which we did. And we built all kinds of buildings up there, and we started a museum. Mm-hmm. We did a 501c3, okay, uh, right? And so that we could make the museum, and and got our um, ed- it's an educational farm then, okay. for the tourists to come visit and. If it's really kind of neat because we have a walking tour during the winter when the museum wasn't, we didn't used to be open in the winter. Now we're open all year. Okay. So, but uh, when we started, we weren't. And so they have a little brochure. They can walk through the farm and answer all their questions about cranberries. Well, cool. Yeah. Okay. So, but anyway, we, so we formed that. Ocean Spray helped with some grants to help us build buy the buildings. And so now, right now we're waiting for a new researcher because the one we had Retired, so we're hoping that WSU hurries up and hires somebody new. But
1: well, cool, yeah. So, is there other companies besides Ocean Spray that uh, that work with the cranberries? Not I mean, Ocean the... Spray. When you walk through the through the grocery store aisle, you've got your off-brand name, yeah. you know, like the store name or whatever. But uh, yeah, uh, Ocean Spray seems to be the big one.
0: <laughs> it's a big one, and we think it is. <laughs> we think it's the best. <laughs> I think it's the best. No, there are several other companies that they call them. It's called. Spray, which is the cooperative, or independent fruit. Okay. And, and uh, the other farmers that sell independent would sell to certain, like Smuckers or okay. Star or Pappas. Those are different uh, cranberry companies that, that mostly do juice. Okay. Langers, you've probably heard of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But they, Or they just buy the product. They don't even, and it's not their main thing. They just might buy cranberries for their juices. So, basically... Um, Ocean Spray is the one that's done the innovating, the advertising, all that, pretty much. The others don't
1: advertise. Uh, Do you guys use a lot of chemicals on your
0: We have to use, cranberries have, are grown in this wet environment, so they get fungus. We have to use a fungicide. Okay. And we have uh, two bugs that we have to watch out for. Uh, There's a black-headed fireworm. Okay. And you'll get to see pictures at the museum of those. and. Uh, there's a black bang weevil that gets in the um, the dry picking place okay we've pretty much flood them out with our flooding system here but when the, and they they can wipe out a bog just the next year there's nothing there if really dead. Wow. and the fireworm it, it attacks the buds and it's it's like somebody took a uh, match and torch the top of your plants, okay, and it looks like a fire went through. That's really? where, where it got its name, right. I guess. But that bug has been around forever, so we basically just control it a little with a with an insecticide. So, but yeah, you if, we, if you're trying to do organic cranberries, it's really hard because they they don't have the products or whatever to to take care of the fungus and okay. the bugs. Okay.
1: So, so you have to you just about have to
0: use pretty cannabis. much,
1: yeah. Okay, but it doesn't sound like you've got a lot of them. No, no. But well, what about fertilizer oh, and, and stuff? Oh, and
0: fertilizer, okay. we do use fertilizer. We, we don't have to add much nitrogen because uh, the soil is uh-huh. already, but uh, we do add uh, other elements and uh, pot, uh, potassium and
1: uh,
0: Nit- uh, nitrogen, potassium, anyway, <laughs> it's, a, it's a mixture, yeah, 6, It's 24, 24, <laughs> <laughs> or 14, 14, 14. It's, okay. Those are the ones. <laughs>
1: Cool. Okay. Well, is there yeah. anything else you need to tell us? I don't
0: think so. I think when you go to the museum, you'll see how how they scalp the bug and how they you know you can see all that kind of stuff okay. through there. And there's an excellent gift shop that you can always purchase a bunch of stuff.
1: You can go Does it, it all say Ocean Spray on it? No, there's
0: hardly anything says Ocean Spray. Really? We're trying to be um, generic. Generic. Okay. But there are there are and there's a wonderful ice cream you can get.
1: Cranberry flavored.
0: Cranberry flavored.
1: Cranberry flavored ice cream. You I'm have an to, ice cream person. You need so to try that. Cranberry ice cream. Yes,
0: you need to try it.
1: Okay. Good. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, we're we're gonna head to part two of this and okay. go talk to the museum. Great. I really appreciate you, your time you Adele, and, and uh, explaining some of this to us. And I'm gonna watch these guys work a little bit sure. now that I can see it happening and take a couple pictures here of your bog and your house Great. and your uh yeah. You can trust. walk
0: around on the road there and just come in and stand, see like that. Actually, lady. actually, that's, oh, that's, Linda. that's that's her that's doing Linda, it. Linda. <laughs> okay. She's
1: over there taking pictures, so I don't have to. Oh, she, that's good. She takes good. most of my photographs. Good. So. You
0: don't have to get your feet wet either.
1: Well, <laughs> uh, like I said, they're already wet from yesterday. So okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I really appreciate your time. Well, nice. To and we will talk to you later. Okay. Okay, we are back with part two of the Cranberry Museum uh, farm tour. And now I am with Paula, and we are at the museum, which is about four miles from the farm that we were at. And Paula is going to take us through the museum and probably give us a little bit more insight into cranberries. Since we've got the farm tour, now we're going to get the production and uh, sorting and all of that kind of tour. So thank you, Paula, for taking time with us and and, uh, doing the podcast here.
2: You're welcome, Lauren. It's nice for you to come and visit us here today. We, we get visitors from all over the world here at the Cranberry Museum. So it's very exciting when people come to learn about the cranberry. There are lots of misconceptions out there about how the cranberries grow. And one of the things most people think is that they grow in water.
1: And that's what Ardell was saying. And and I'm standing there looking at a whole bunch of water, and she said, that only happens for about four days.
2: Right. (laughs) Once a year at harvest. (laughs) People are surprised by that because of the Ocean Spring commercials. There's two guys standing in the water, and so they assume that that's how they grow. Really, they grow in sandy soil, well-drained soil, and if they get too hot or too cold, they turn on the sprinklers to protect them. So
1: So they're really temperature uh, sensitive.
2: That's right. That's why the mild climate of the Northwest is perfect for growing cranberries. Well, right? and then you're on the coast, mm-hmm. too. So. Right. The ocean air gives it uh, this bright, rich color, and they cannot make ocean spray cranberry juice without west coast berries.
1: Wow. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and your average temperature here on the coast is is pretty cool. I mean, you get, what, some days in the 80s?
2: Not very many.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: Sixties are warm when the sun's out. It seems nice and warm. Um, In the winter, we don't get snow, but once in a while. Um, So yeah, it's very mild climate here.
1: And she said that you had to protect against frost, and I was kind of surprised by that because you don't have much frost here either, do you?
2: Well, you know, the springs, we have killing frost in the spring, and that's how we got the researcher from WSU to come in 1922 because the... Cranberry farmers were losing a lot of their crops to the spring frost. It was too cold, freezing the berries, and they would die. So he remembered his physics lessons in WSU, Washington State University. Okay. And uh, he remembered that as water cools, it gives off latent heat, and the heat protects the berries from freezing. And this is not only with cranberries, but many other crops.
1: Okay. So my eyes well, just went up in the top of my head as I'm going, the water creates heat... I always thought water created cooling. It
2: does. So this
1: is a this is a totally new concept. To
2: yes. Make. And believe me, the cranberry farmers were very skeptical about this whole idea. And it took many years for them to adopt the practice. But when you see when you try it and it works, you're okay. gonna do it. <laughs> yeah,
1: well I knew that they that, that like in Florida when they have the frost, mm-hmm. they always spray their crops, but I thought that was just because the water coming out of the ground at fifty degrees Kept it from freezing. I didn't realize that water created a heat.
2: Mm -hmm. As it cools.
1: That, okay.
2: (laughs) I'm gonna. That's gonna take me a while to wrap my head around this one. I understand.
1: (laughs) Cool. Well, when we first came into the into the museum here, you guys have a very nice gift shop with all kinds of things. It just uh, well, cranberries are in the are in everything. Uh, it's it's amazing. You go to the store and you can't buy mango juice without having a cranberry jump in there someplace or apple juice without a cranberry jumping in. So cranberries seem to have really worked their way into mainstream, I guess. Yes. Even though I know at the Thanksgiving table, the thing that nobody wants is the cranberries that are put out on the table.
2: Well, you shouldn't say nobody. Well,
1: I <laughs> always eat them myself. I love the cranberry, but, uh, but it seems like that's the one thing that a lot of people just try to avoid and yet it's everywhere else.
2: Well I tell you what, I, I search out cranberry products high and low and we have all things cranberry in this gift shop. We have cranberry wines we have preserves of course preserves, right sauces but scone mixes we have cranberry lotion where they cold press this tiny seeds out of the cranberry and put them in a lotion
1: oh really the
2: seeds oil is a very rare vitamin e and it's very healing so it's perfect for lotions um, we have a foaming soap and we have a lip balm
1: okay and it's super high in vitamin e
2: yes and that's just one of the many benefits of the cranberry they are um They are rich in vitamin C, they have fiber, they have antioxidants, polyphenols. The red fruits are very good for your health.
1: Are they really good for like kidney stones and that stuff too? Yes, kidney
2: health, um, urinary tract infections, of course, people know about that. Um, We do sell a pure juice with no sugar added, so that's perfect for the. UTIs. Um, also, it has been proven to prevent the ulcers. There's a bacteria called H. pylori that that you get when you have ulcers, and okay. the cranberry is effective in treating that as well. Really. And we have cranberry dental floss.
1: Cranberry dental floss. <laughs> yes. Okay. Antibacterial. And mustard. It's antibacterial
2: properties in the in the floss. That oh, make really? It perfect for oral. So there's okay. many benefits. So when people come in and say, "I love cranberries," I say, "They love you back."
1: Yes, <laughs> they do. Mm-hmm. That, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. All the all the health benefits. So you brought a bowl of cranberries out yes, so that we can try them in their raw form. Now you said that you had raw cranberry juice without any sugar added. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's pretty tart. Very. Now, do they sell that in the stores also, or do you just mm-hmm. sell it here?
2: Uh, they do have it in stores. However, it can be hard to come. So I have an organic and a regular uh, liter bottle in the cooler all the time. So.
1: Okay, and Ardell was saying that organic cranberries were really hard to do because of the pests and some of that kind of stuff that right. that they're prone to. Mm-hmm. So where do you get those? Is there a organic a, a specific organic farmer or?
2: It, it's Ocean Spray.
1: It's Ocean Spray. Yes. Wow. Okay.
2: Yes, so are you ready to try some Let, cranberries? Let's
1: try, let's try a cranberry and see if I can continue on with the podcast after Okay. After I eat. <laughs>
2: so okay. they say to try three of them because the first one's tart, but the second one is so-so, and then by the third one you're thinking, yeah, these are pretty good.
1: Okay, so, we'll so you just eat seeds and all.
2: Seeds and all, and,
1: and they make a crunch.
2: They are crunched. Oh.
1: Actually, even the first one's not too bad. It's not bad. It's not nearly as sour as I thought it was going to be. No. I don't,
2: it's, it can be a bit bitter, but it's not bad at all. And mm. the health benefits are really good in the raw, um, the raw fresh ones.
1: Really? Can you buy the no, raw sugar. fresh ones in the store too? Well, I guess you can. We
2: sell them right now. Um, we have uh, berries that were harvested about three days ago, okay. and we have them in the cooler for sale right now. We've got a... A cooler, a walk-in cooler full of cranberries right now. And
1: it's we just saw this. There's a lot of cranberries in that closet. Second one isn't bad.
2: I like the crunchiness. There are recipes. There are recipes for uh, like a fresh salsa made with the cranberries. Oh, really? Mm-hmm.
1: And the third one, it, it, it just kind of keeps getting better. Let's try number four.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I could see see you having uh, a bowl of those and eating them while you're going down the road. It'd Mm -hmm. be pretty good.
2: A lot of people like tart foods.
1: And I'm sure that in the raw form you get more than what you would in a juiced form. Absolutely. As far as the health benefits.
2: Yes, fiber, uh, no sugar, definitely.
1: And you said in the juices they take the seeds out and they get the vitamin C out of the seeds. Do they Mm -hmm. process with the skins also?
2: Uh, yes and the skins are what adds the tart flavor to our cranberry ice cream that we make homemade.
1: Okay, so. and I just got through eating some of this cranberry ice cream. I thought cranberry ice cream, really?
2: What it's did you good. think? Uh, I loved
1: it. It was very very good. Mm-hmm. And Paula makes this herself. Yes, in me small did. batches. And
2: another gal, we make it once a week or in the summer we have to make it more than once a week because mm-hmm. it's so popular and has such a following. That. we run out in a week's time so okay we're uh, yeah we make it once a week and uh, it's quite popular people rave about it it's not for everyone because those little seeds are in the, the ice cream and some skins too so some people don't like that but most people do
1: well I I thought it was great mm-hmm. I ate mine and was really happy
2: I think the secret <sighs> is the fresh lemon juice
1: oh you put lemon juice in there too
2: mm-hmm. fresh squeezed and that makes all the
1: Okay, mm-hmm. and do you add a lot of sugar? I mean, it wasn't super sweet, but it, mm-hmm. it didn't have quite the same tart or whatever that, that the raw berries had.
2: Yes, there is sugar added, but I have cut back on the sugar and added more cranberry puree because we just thought it needed a little more tartness, and that's what the cranberry's all about, is that good tart flavor that's like nothing else.
1: Right. That is so cool. I I had no idea I liked cranberries so much. (laughs) Okay, well let's take a step on out into the museum and uh, your museum kind of covers, well, your museum covers from beginning of planting all the way on through harvest, but you've also got another section here that is a research facility. And tell us a little bit about the research facility. Ardell was kind of mentioning that it started in, I think, 1910. Maybe her farm started in nineteen twenty Yes, it was in
2: the uh, 20s, 1920, uh, 20, 1922, actually. Next year will be 100 years since our first researcher came from Washington State University.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and that
2: was D.J. Crowley, and uh, he was here for many years and was the one that came up with the theory of uh, the water to protect them from freezing. So okay. he was a really um, just such a valuable source here with not only cranberry farmers but uh, just agricultural in general here on the peninsula.
1: Okay and and do you still have a researcher here?
2: Well we have the research station it is right in front of the museum okay. Um it was built in 1949 and it right now is being refurbished a little bit because the last uh, scientist here retired and the position has not been filled yet by Washington State University. Okay. So we're waiting on, on a new person to come
1: in. And I noticed that you have uh, cranberry fields out there. Yes. You have like six or eight different uh, what do you call them? Pods? They're, They're little bogs. Fields. They're bogs. Yep. Okay, bogs that are dry because you haven't bogged them yet. Am I <laughs>
2: bogged wrong? Bogged them. I'm, I've never heard <laughs> kind of that. <thing> I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. I,
1: I just come up with whatever I come up with. Mm-hmm. But you had you had several different bogs out yes, there that are dry. Yes, we have eight.
2: Well, they're always dry, remember? Cranberries don't grow in water, right, right. so they, uh, we have, yes, we have uh, eight bogs. Um, they, uh, the research station does testing out there on the bogs, okay. so there, you may have seen some little flags out there where they're doing some testing for the tipworm and how to eradicate that. Okay. We have a lot of pests here and a lot of weeds, so it's a real challenge to grow uh, the cranberries. Uh, Against those odds, there. Um, right now, since we don't have a researcher, Ocean Spray is doing some research here. Okay. But you'll see in the first fog over here, there is kind of a patchwork quilt and it's right. different varieties of cranberries that they have done trials on to see, you know, how they grow and how they, uh, you know, how early they produce, do they produce a lot of fruit or not?
1: So. That's and there's a of lot things. of fruit on those. It's it's kind of interesting because when you walk out to look at it, I thought that it had already been harvested and that the plants were all kind of beat down and were ready for for bedding for winter or whatever mm-hmm. but actually they're there they don't grow much more than about 4 or 5 inches off the ground and the berries are just full it's it's amazing how many berries are on each bush but you don't mm-hmm. see that it looks Almost kind of like a dead patch out there, <laughs> to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And then it looked like you had uh, different signs for the berries being planted at different times. I saw one for 2007, one for 2014, I think. Yes. And so you've got different varieties. Right.
2: Exactly. That's and they were right. planted
1: at different times. hmm Okay. To
2: see what produces best, and uh, you know, some are early harvesting, some are later harvesting, some are darker in color, some are larger. So there is a lot of variety to them.
1: Do they crossbreed?
2: Yes, they do. That's the patchwork quilt I talked
1: about. Okay. And
2: they come up with different varieties. By doing that.
1: So they they'll hybrid themselves. Like like if I know like corn, uh, if you plant the same kind of corn, they'll end up crossbreeding. But if you plant one that harvests earlier and one that harvests later, then you'll end up with that same variety of corn. I just didn't know if if cranberries did the same kind of thing or not.
2: Well, you're getting out of my territory now,
1: so Uh, (laughs) we'll wait for the
2: scientists to come. It's probably
1: out of my territory, too, with the corn. I probably just Uh, flubbed up, but anyway. Okay. Uh, I
2: wanted to mention that the cranberry is an upright evergreen vine. So it's evergreen, so you don't have to plant that crop but once. It will probably produce for a couple decades before maybe you need to make a new bog. And when you want to make a new bog, you just take clippings from the plants and they root so easily because they are, you know, it's very short, like Uh you said, about four inches. And then they will root. They disc them into the sandy soil and they will root easily and then you'll have a new crop. It takes three to five years to get fruit off that crop. but they can you know, take it from another bog, so it's all right there on the farm.
1: Wow, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And
2: something interesting and kind of a fun fact about cranberries is um, once things have been harvested, and harvest is about mid-September to the end of October, come December, you could be driving by a cranberry bog and it looks all red. Okay. What that is, is the leaves have turned color like a lot of leaves do in the fall, uh-huh. and that's when they start to go dormant. So they'll stay dormant for the winter time.
1: Okay, but they but the leaves. Okay, you said they change color, but yet you mm-hmm. said it was an evergreen.
2: Yes, it is. Meaning, it doesn't need to be replanted year after year. Okay, it comes back in the spring. Okay,
1: so it's not like an evergreen tree that that stays, stays green.
2: green. Exactly.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's where I was getting a little bit confused. Mm-hmm. Not that Got it's it. tough to do. <laughs> Confusing me is pretty easy. Okay, well, let's take a step out here into the into the museum when when we. Uh, when we first come out here, we're in the research uh, part of the museum, and you've got lots of lots of pictures, lots of the old harvest-type equipment. This is interesting. You've got a box with a bunch of uh, rods that come out, and they're pointed, and it's got a handle on top. Yes. Is that the way that they used to harvest? That's
2: exactly right. This is a picker, and it has sharp, pointy edges, and they would just... Kind of rake it through the berry vines and the, they would get caught up in these metal tines and go into this box and then they, they would empty them into a wooden box
1: okay so that was for dry harvesting that's right okay
2: that's right so these are very old and very heavy i they must have been very strong people doing this kind of
1: work i think i think in the old days they were very strong people to yes. do anything that they did everything Perfect. looked tough
2: that's right now the center of this room you'll see we have cranberry sorter from 1923 and this was made in Massachusetts and you can basically imagine that the cranberries are going to be coming out onto these two uh, like conveyor belts and there's place for the waste in the middle the ladies probably usually ladies would be uh, cleaning the berries and putting the debris in the center there and then they drop off the end into wooden boxes and then someone would come along and haul the box off and Okay. Put a new one there, so pretty And simple. they fed them through the top? Yes, and then they would tumble here and come okay. down and out.
1: Okay. And we're, we're looking at a box that on the upright end is probably seven foot tall, two foot by three foot with a bunch of uh, different pulleys and stuff in order to bring those cranberries down, and then a separation plate that uh, comes down onto the conveyor belts, like what she was saying. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty neat looking, looking centerpiece. Yes, it is. Okay,. Let's the other room.
2: Okay. This is an interesting contraption. This is called a suction picker, and this is a huge metal uh, contraption. Like I said, it's a lot like a vacuum cleaner. And these came about in the 1940s, early 40s when the manpower was very low due to World War II. Okay. So they needed help on the farm and we're a very remote little peninsula here on the Pacific Ocean. And it was hard to find workers. So this was something that uh, they thought would help uh, make their work a little easier. They were powered by gas engines and kind of sucked the berries off the vines and up through a hose and out into bags or boxes. But they did find that they were um, bruising the fruit somewhat. Okay. So they weren't, uh, you really don't want bruised fruit. So they weren't used a lot. They were replaced by the dry pickers. Um, Mr. Furford from Grayland came up with the Furford Picker Perder. And then in the 40s, also, they came up with the water beater, which is what we use uh, today, something similar, uh, when we flood the bombs. Okay. The Furford pickers are dry for dry picking, so they uh, are kind of like a large lawnmower with pruning shears at the bottom that pick the berries. They come up through the machine, and they drop into a gunny sack on the back, and then they just toss the sacks aside, and then a little rail cart will come and pick them up and... Those are the fruits that will be sold in the grocery stores, in the produce department, because okay. dry picked fruit is going to last longer. They're more conducive to fresh sales. And the wet harvested berries are going to be made into juice or sauce and uh, or craisins perhaps.
1: Oh, okay. And do they make the craisins here, or do they send those off? I mean, the, the climate here is so wet. How would you dry anything?
2: Um, you know, there is a craisin plant in Markham, which is very near Aberdeen, Washington. Okay. And uh, that plant has been there for quite some time. And I'm not sure exactly when they started making craisins, but that is um, where the grayling berries are uh, received by Ocean Ferry. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if they do tours, I don't think they do, but it would be interesting to find out how they make those craisins, but right now, we'll just keep it as secret.
1: Okay, yeah, craisins are one of my favorite things, I love them in my oatmeal.
2: Yes, they're delicious, in salads, anything, really.
1: Now is this one of the beaters that you yes. were talking about, okay, and this looks like a, basically, uh, how would I describe it, <laughs> it looks kind of like a rototiller with two back wheels the engine in the middle and then instead of having the rototiller blades it's just got two uh discs that are probably 18 inches round with a little bar coming across, no, no teeth or anything else, no. it just kind of beats the, the berries off of the plants. That's right, like.
2: because berries naturally float. They have a four seed chambers inside, so they are hollow in the middle. They naturally float, so okay. once they add that water and they drag this through there, the, the reel in front turns about 100 RPM. So it's repeatedly striking the vines underneath and dislodging the berries. And then they just pop up to the surface and then uh, people will get in the bog with their waders. I think people have seen a lot of that, uh, maybe on TV, when people are in the bogs with rakes and paddles and booms and they corral those berries and they send them up a little elevator, like a conveyor, and they drop into the trucks that are waiting. And then the trucks will drive them up to the Ocean Spray Receiving Station, which is only about a mile up the road.
1: Okay. Yeah, this is all really, really interesting. Now, this one here, it looks like a beater with a conveyor belt on it.
2: This one is the Furford Picker Pruner I was talking about earlier. Okay. There's a picture of Mr. Furford, um, 1956. Okay. Is when he developed that. It was, um, let's see... His, uh he the thing that's interesting about this machine is it has it not only picks the fruit, but at the same time it's pruning the plants which have runners. So you don't want the runners to mat down the the area and and make it hard, you know, for the berries to grow up out of there. So, so
1: you gotta cut the runners off yes. all the time. So
2: he developed a way to pick and prune at the same time. And they still use these today and there really? is a um, a place in Grayland that has a Cranberry Museum, and it was the site of his manufacturing plant.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: There's a picture there.
1: Yeah. I find it interesting that they pick them both dry and, and wet, that yes. it's not kind of a uniform system of, of how to do it.
2: Well, in Grayland, they have done the dry pick for so long, and they have bogs that are so long and narrow that They didn't have the room to put in irrigation ditches like we have here. So they are known for their dry picking. However, I do believe someone is putting in a wet harvest uh, for one of their bogs up there, but basically they do the dry picking and we do the wet harvest down here.
1: Okay. Um,
2: And wet harvest came out in, I believe the 40s. So it was another, a new option. Okay. Mm -hmm. But so dry pick is the earliest method.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. And then we move over here and we've got several different kinds of sprinklers and sprayers. Uh, you've got a, a wood irrigation pipe that's pretty interesting. That's wrapped mm-hmm. with, with wire. Mm-hmm.
2: Cedar. And made out of cedar. Made out of cedar. viable. You could probably... They find them when they're digging new bogs.
1: Oh, do they? Yes,
2: they'll find pieces of them. So we're fortunate to have a, an example of what they use. Yeah, you don't see
1: the pipe like this very often. Oh, no. I've seen I've seen a piece here and a piece there, but... Uh, it's it's a wooden pipe. They used to use those for fire hydr or fire suppression mm-hmm. and water lines and all that.
2: All right. Now they use PVC. Just, well, exactly. Uh-huh.
1: And then you've got boots. Yes. These bog boots are are extremely interesting. Yes.
2: Most people like this these bog boots right here. And they are unusual and it just really shows the ingenuity of the cranberry farmers. They had to be design things to work for themselves they're they're very remote here on the peninsula and they didn't have access to much hardware so they made their own
1: (laughs) and and these things are just wooden platforms some of them strap on your shoes that one pair that she was talking about that everybody likes looks like somebody just put a wooden sole on the bottom of their shoe and then put these they're not like golf cleats or anything they're they're big they're Mm -hmm. one and a half inch round and, and about two inches long kind of have a point to them so that you don't crush the berries while you're walking over the plants. That's right. And there's several different styles here and and they're really an interesting looking boot that if you ever found a pair in in an antique store you'd wonder what in the world they used them for.
2: Absolutely. They're very strange looking but they served the purpose of not crushing the berries as they walked through the field. Now these are from the 1940s. This one is made just with a pair of rubber boots they cut off, and then they put straps onto a a wooden platform, and then they've got four wooden peg-like things on the bottom to keep them up and out of the bog, basically. Now, are they still
1: using stuff like this, or...?
2: Um, You know, they talk about the running shoes became became really lightweight, so it wasn't like a heavy boot going through there, but um, I think that some people might have similar... Similar shoes to this that they may still
1: use. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you've got an old, a 1940s weed whacker. <laughs> that is, it's a, it's like a two by two or maybe maybe two by two and a half, and it's uh, a piece of wood. It's about seven foot long. I'm not really sure how that worked, but it's got straps and all kinds of little things yes. to it. Yes,
2: they would have had a long cord from a power source.
1: Which they say is an electric drill that turned the cable, Turn the
2: cable, yes, causing the blade to spin at high speed and cut anything in its path. Watch out!
1: <laughs> it's pretty interesting looking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's amazing. It's amazing. Oh, it's even got a little toggle switch up here at the end to turn on your electric drill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's just a really interesting looking weed whacker.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes early weed whacker.
1: <laughs> I, I'm impressed.
2: Mm-hmm. Sometimes
1: you wonder about the evolution of some of this stuff. How mm-hmm. we came up with, with the thing that we walk around and cut our yard with, and and here you see see the beginnings.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, very ingenious. Let's see. This one is something interesting. It's I mean it doesn't look interesting. All it is is a metal round metal container. Right. But these are picker picker boxes. When people were out on their hands and knees and picking these berries, um, this was the measure that they used. So, they were paid by how many of these containers that they filled. But in the 30s, there was the depression.
1: Right. Nobody
2: had any money. So, what they did, once they picked a major, for every major, they got a token. And local merchants would redeem the tokens for food or products in their stores. And then later, when the cranberry farmers made their money off the crop, they would pay the the stores back. Okay.
1: that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that holds what? Probably a gallon, gallon and a half, I would think. Something like that. And that's, that's pretty cool that the, that the merchants and the farmers were all able to work together and, and make that happen.
2: Yes, let's see. I think it says their token was about 30 cents, which token... you could probably buy a lot with 30 cents in the 1930s.
1: And that was for each one of those that were filled? Mm-hmm. Okay that's that's pretty interesting
2: yeah these are also uh, we have a couple more cranberry sorters here in the museum they're smaller versions and they are put through the top and there's a drum that they go through would spin and then they had different size openings so that the berries would fit through and basically they're grading the size of the berry by the size of the opening.
1: Okay, so the the berries have different grades depending on how big they are. Mm
2: -hmm. And then um, the ones that are too soft would stay in there and and go into the box. So a good cranberry bounces.
1: Okay.
2: In fact, I've had people here from Massachusetts visiting and they said, oh, you've got bounce berries. That's
1: That's how they know
2: them. (laughs) it all started in Massachusetts
1: okay yes
2: so I think um, our first cranberry bog started in nineteen I'm sorry 1885 oh wow um, and that's cranberry road is the site of that um, it's no longer there but it was a farmer out here had a visitor uh, come from uh, Massachusetts and he said well you already have the native berries growing here in this sandy soil so this would be ideal for growing cranberries so he sent vines to him to get started. Okay, And that was up on Cranberry Road. Um, 1885 was the first crop here on the peninsula that had been cultivated. Wow. But they were here prior to that, just okay. growing. Um, they, they're native to North America, so they just grow in the sandy, sandy soils okay. of the country, which is all across the country. On the northern latitudes, if you looked at a map, Um, We're all kind of on the same line across the country. Okay. Uh, Wisconsin, uh, Massachusetts, uh, New Jersey, Michigan. uh, And our west coast growing region is from British Columbia all the way down to southern Oregon and Bandon, who produces a lot of cranberries in Bandon. Oregon probably produces twice as many as Washington.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow, this has just been
0: really interesting i didn't know what i was going to get
1: when i came to a cranberry museum
2: well you you've got educated
1: <laughs> i've got, I got educated that is our mission
2: is to educate people on the cranberry and uh that's the reason that we're really here you know the gift shop is fun and we have all things cranberry but really the the main thing is the museum
1: yeah Mm-hmm. And this is this is really interesting, and I so appreciate you taking your time today, Paula. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the whole cranberry thing from the farm to the to the museum to the gift shop. The gift shop is just amazing. All all things cranberry. Absolutely. So, uh, I like to finish out my podcast by saying the world is full of wonder. People need to get out and explore. You can stop in at a little tiny cranberry museum and learn more. than than what you ever thought could be involved in this thing. Paula just realized that she did not give us how the cranberry got its name, and so she is now going to tell that story. So here we go.
2: Okay. When the Pilgrims first settled in America, it was the Indians who introduced them to cranberries. The Pilgrims thought that the drooping pink blossom of the berry looked like the downturned head of a crane okay so they called it cranberry naturally right and over time cranberry was shortened to cranberry
1: okay so that's the reason that we have them at thanksgiving that's right and that, and of course the pilgrims landed on the east coast which is where you said that they came from to begin with so the story just makes total sense. Yes,
2: I believe in Plymouth, in the Plymouth area, they had a lot of cranes. Okay. So it made sense to them. The flower is an interesting looking flower. It is like nothing I've ever seen. It has uh, pale pink flowers that curl up. So those look like the feathers. Okay. And then the, the inside, the stamen of the plant is a long piece, and it looks like the beak. But the flower itself is just a tiny, tiny little thing, maybe not even half an inch. And they're very delicate, but uh, that is how the cranberry got its name. It's all about the flower.
1: Okay, (laughs) well, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. You know, as I always finish these things out, the world is full of wonder. And sometimes it's fun to see it from somebody else's perspective. Everybody needs to get out, see things, enjoy it, and have an absolutely wonder-filled day.
0: All the and go, where am I to go? Meet Johnny, where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go?